0: Welcome to the Life Success Legacy Podcast. We're glad you're here, and we hope you enjoyed this episode. Hey, thanks for joining us. uh, Another edition of our Life Success Legacy Podcast. My name is Chris Bay, and I'm one of the team members at Life Success and Legacy. And we've got a special treat for you today. I'm I'm especially excited um, for this podcast. We've got a good friend of mine, Ron Swall, um, who is a client of ours. And uh, I think he's got some interesting angles on his story and how IBC applies in his life. Um, and then especially some of his motivation as he thinks about his vision for the future for his family and uh, and what he'd like to leave in terms of legacy. Um, so, Ron, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, happy to be here. Good. Um, Tell us a little bit about um, just what you've done in life, um, your careers, the kind of work you've done, because you've you've been part of a W-2 employee, but you've also been a business owner. Um, so give us a little background
1: on what you've done in life so far. Right, right. Well, um, initially, um, oh, I don't know, maybe this might almost be simultaneously, I got my degree in education. And uh, started out uh, as a teacher in Kansas City, Kansas. And, uh, I was working in special ed at the time, but I was also uh, doing a little bit of landscape gardening stuff mm-hmm. for for people. And I'd gotten started in that in high school, really, um, just working for. Colleagues of my folks mm-hmm. or people in the neighborhood. I mean, they saw stuff that I was doing at my folks' house, and then they asked me if I'd come over and do some stuff for them. Right. Um, so, you know, just kind of moved along. It, it wasn't necessarily a super intentional thing, but I remember I kind of enjoyed being able to work for myself, and it gave me an excuse to have a pickup truck. <laughs> uh, and I, I like that. Uh, so those two things, you know, I have done... Uh, For the last 35, 36, 37 years. So just for context, for those listeners, how old are you? I am 61 and a half.
0: 61 and a half. Yeah. Okay. So you've made it past that magical 59 and a half where you don't have to pay penalties uh, on liquidation of assets and those kinds of things. Right. Yeah. Cool. So... um, curious we were talking a little bit earlier just how did you learn about money what was your education was it from your dad what did you observe over watching him what you've learned in your life about money, money and options with money
1: yeah well you know there was nothing ever any formal anywhere that i can really recall um, so it really did come from mostly from my dad but a little bit from both my parents but mostly from my dad. And I think it really started after I became full-time at the school district in KCK and uh, was approached by a school colleague who was also trying to get into the retirement savings industry. And and, uh, so I started a private thing, even though I knew that I had the state pension thing go on the CAPERS Mm -hmm. program. Mm -hmm. Um, But because at that point in time, I felt like I had more money than I'd ever seen in my life, and I was single. Right. Um, That was a real easy thing for uh, me to do. Um, And, you know, at the time, I didn't think too much about it. I remember just having conversations with my dad, listening to the things that they were trying to do, um, and just sorting through. It was, you know, but it really was a kind of by guess and by golly experience, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and the little bit of info and feedback and advice that I was getting from the, uh, you know, uh, uh, I guess my financial advisor person, but even you know, thinking back, that really wasn't all that much, you know, throw a lot of information at me, a lot of terminology, and most of it I was pretty unfamiliar with, and I just you know, assumed that I was going to trust her and you mm-hmm. know, I'd kind of nod my head and we'd go on. Right. So did that for a number of years. But, you know, the good news was, uh, in some respects that I did that mm-hmm. because of the position it put me in, you know, once I hit my fifties.
0: Right. So let's, let's fast forward here to, um,
1: you've had an IVC strategy for, I was trying to remember that a little bit ago. I think, uh, I think we're at uh, going heading into year four. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it goes by quickly, doesn't it? Yeah, in hindsight, it does. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you're, you know, when you're at those those uh, more eventful moments of, you know, of uh, let's see, what you have, a, you have a term that I really like. Uh, it's not making a premium payment but it's premium, premium deposit. deposit right uh so you know at, at the moment that i get to make a premium deposit i'm real excited and god but now i gotta wait another year to do that <laughs> right uh, but th- that's good and then and then i get to turn around and you know uh, access that mm-hmm. uh, and i've got good reasons to access that right now but i wouldn't have good reasons to access it if i hadn't had it in the first place right
0: right so i remember uh well let's talk about a little bit about how did you
1: even learn about infinite banking yeah um when jackie and i first started dating jackie's now my wife Mm -hmm. when we first started dating um i think you know we probably kind of sped things along just given the age that we were at sure um no sense wasting time. That's right. right. Well, that was one of the things that I said to her right up front, <laughs> which almost caused her to turn around, or get up, turn around, and walk out the door, but uh, but she stuck around long enough. Uh, but we started talking about uh, what the future could look like, what it might look like. And then one of the things that she was real concerned about was, um, you know, in order to put herself through a master's program, keep Shoes on the kids' feet and food on the table. Mm-hmm. You know, she had, uh, you know, half her kids at that point were adult adults mm-hmm. in college, so she was helping them a little bit, and then she had some young ones, uh, junior high and high school. Uh, but she racked up quite a bit of credit card debt. Yeah, and she was very um, fearful that that would have a negative impact on our relationship. Right, uh, and then. I th- This is one of the things that I think about as I think back on all this. This whole experience being kind of humorous. Then she started talking about uh, Chris Bay Mm -hmm. and IBC or Infinite Bacon. Although she didn't, she didn't really remember what it was called. Right. But she just said that you had a plan Mm -hmm. that could address that. Right. But she had just never been in a position to do it. And so I think it was probably a year. Uh, after, you know, she first brought all that up, that we ended up sitting down with you for mm-hmm. a couple of hours mm-hmm. and just having a, a wide-ranging conversation about it. Um, so that was my, you know, she introduced me to it, although she really couldn't talk about it very well. Right. Uh, but then when you and I and she had a chance to sit down and talk about it, that was really my... my uh, Real introduction to it. What was your initial reaction when you start first started hearing about it? Uh, my initial reaction was, "Oh no!" <laughs> uh, I I remember being pretty damn skeptical, uh, and and at that time, you know, some something I had done years before. You know, I had engaged in a ten year remodel project on on The old house that I had lived in since 1988, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, you know, I'd racked up unfortunately a fair amount of debt doing that, and then I got out from that using the Dave Ramsey system, right? And it worked, mm-hmm. um, it took a while, but it worked, mm-hmm. you know, and so I felt I had felt good about that. So that was that was a strategy that I knew and had used, and so I. You know, I don't know if I was trying to compare the two in my head or what, but I, I was just struggling. And I'd always heard—I think one of the things I'd always heard was never buy life insurance. Now <laughs> I don't remember where I heard that. Right. You know, I don't know if that was my my dad, my folks, uh, but it just seemed like that was something that was floating around out there. Right. Life insurance is a waste of money. Yeah. Uh, and so that was kind of stuck in my head. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I remember being uh, curious enough about it. And, uh, not, not in a worried sort of way, but in a thoughtful sort of way, concerned about Jackie's feelings about the credit card debt that she had, mm-hmm. that I was sure open to, you know, possibilities. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, we talked about it and then, uh, I think there was an opportunity for the three of us to sit down again and talk about it later on. And I think over that period of time, plus, you know, the opportunity to read, uh, uh, the book, mm-hmm. uh, that it really caused me to make some shifts. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think at first it felt like a risk, but it felt like a risk that I was willing to engage in. And I have to, I have to tell you, Chris, a lot of it just had to do with my trust in you. Mm-hmm. Uh, as well as my trust in Jackie. I mean she trusted you? Right. Um, she just never had the resources to try to do anything initially. And so I did have the resources, and and she had some debt to and turn she the had wind some curve debt, on. That's right, uh, and so I ended up being able to turn this into looking at it as an opportunity. Yeah. So you talked about you know your thinking shifted a little bit,
0: going from Dave Ramsey kind of approach that had worked for you to shifting to this. There was another shift that I remember occurred about the time when you were retiring from the school district. Uh huh. And the plan in, in your head was you wanted to maximize your monthly <laughs> retirement great. plan, right? Right, right. And so that would require you to liquidate as little as possible. Right. There was a shift, though, that happened
1: at some point. Right. You want to talk about that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, as I... Going into those last two years, and then particularly that last year when I knew that that was it, um, I started looking at the, the details of, of the capers piece and one of the things that uh, finally occurred to me and I, I you know it was one of those moments I had an epiphany I mean I'm just sitting there looking at the paperwork uh, and I realized that uh, if something happened to me capers would just keep all of that money that had been you know between myself and and the school district that had been invested in that plan it would just all roll to capers mm-hmm well, they uh, they could use it. Th- yeah, they it was theirs. I mean, none <laughs> they would, need it. <laughs> none, none, yeah, and yeah, none of that would go to Jackie. Right. Then the other piece was um, with my Ameriprise monies. Even though I could borrow against an annuity, what I found out, sort of the hard way for me, was that I had. I mean, I mean, this was just an assumed. I had to make a monthly payment, but I had to make a monthly payment. Mm-hmm. But the other piece was I couldn't borrow again until that had been completely paid back, and I had waited another 12 months because mm-hmm. there was some sort of they had some sort of rule and I don't know logarithm on that stuff. Right. And you know, and I'm still learning about how I can use my IBC account. But um, it became clear that uh, if I really wanted to maximize what I had. That my best bet was to get money out of Capers now so I could have as much control over as the maximum amount of that as I could. And that's when I decided, okay, I'm taking the max. Which but that was- would diminish your monthly payment. Right. But that was something Jackie and I talked about. Mm-hmm. And uh, we believe that we could make that work Mm -hmm. you know and that was you know at the same time we were we really were focused on combining households anyway so we felt like doing that would allow us to have a little bit more flexibility with budget i knew i was going to still do landscape work and so i had a target that if i could just earn x amount a month then we'd be fine and anything over that was you know good Mm -hmm. grade but it was it was that understanding a combination of things knowing that that had way more flexibility to use money through IBC than I did through Ameriprise and um, uh, what was the other
0: piece of that well part of it if I recall was by getting a larger chunk of
1: money out of it you were able to turn the wind current oh right right because that enabled us to go with uh, a, a larger initial policy mm-hmm. and then we felt so comfortable with that we ended up Almost immediately, starting a second policy mm-hmm. uh, wasn't as big, but uh, we really wanted to be able to shift that wind current, and we were targeting, you know, for a twenty-five month turnaround mm-hmm. on that on the debt on the credit cards. Yeah,
0: it's a big shift in your thinking. It was a big I think, shift. I think the quote you used at one point was. At one point, there was no way you could talk me into maximizing, taking out... That's right. A big lump sum. Now there's no way you could talk That's me right. out of it. That's right. <laughs> yeah. I want to talk about... Um, I could talk to you all day, <laughs> but we try to keep these somewhat sure. limited yeah. uh, for the listeners. But um, I want to talk about some of the ways you've used your policy. Because uh, you've used it in a variety
1: of ways, and you've put it to work. Yeah. Yeah. Just talk about some of the ways you've used it. Well, the, the initial uh purpose was to get out from underneath that credit card debt that Jackie had. Mm-hmm. And we were able to do that in 25 months. Mm-hmm. And, and I think we started off with looking at like, I don't know, thirty to $35,000. Yeah. Um, and then she also had a car that she had had to purchase because what she had had quit on her. So that was an additional $10,000 in there. So there was a fair amount. And uh, we were able to... Uh, Make that happen pretty quick. The, you know, the challenging piece was being real consistent with uh, because we didn't have to pay what we borrowed against the policy bag. So being consistent mm-hmm. with that was real critical. And then, you know, uh, at the end of the first year, when we were able to access more to throw against the rest of it, it was even a little bit tougher because now it's like we had extra cash in our pocket, right? So that was, you know, that piece was um, not challenging, but you know, we just had to be thoughtful about it. Mm-hmm. And, and but we were real clear on what our goal was. Yeah, had, so had to be honest bankers. That's right. We did yeah. have to be honest with us. Mm-hmm. You know, putting peas back on the shelf, and we talked about that constantly with ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, we used, uh, we accessed some money at one point, uh, we have an old pontoon boat out of Lake Perry and we mm-hmm. needed $2,000 for the slip fee. Yeah. Uh, and an annual slip fee. So we did that. And then I think the, the, the coolest thing though is, you know, at last summer we started a, uh, an addition on the house. Yeah. Uh, we needed, definitely needed more room just to be there with the kids. But now that we've got a couple grandkids and probably more on the way, we really were hurting for space. Mm-hmm. We didn't want to move. Uh, but, uh, we wanted to stay there, and, and we were able to figure out between a loan from the bank and then <laughs> burning up those credit cards again mm-hmm. that we were able to make that that addition happen and get it done in six months. Yeah. And so now, um, with our first two policies and then uh, with uh, some creative thinking on your part, we started a third policy on some money that you know, I hadn't anticipated coming my way, um, so we're going to turn right around and we're starting all over again to clean up that debt mm-hmm. and then uh, get back in the black again. Mm-hmm. But we couldn't have done that—that that addition on the house—had we not had that resource through IBC. Right. It just wouldn't have been possible. Yeah. I mean, that it—it it was probably. Uh, another two-thirds or more of what we needed to make that deal work. I know we're running short on time, but there's a
0: there's a piece that I really want to wrap up with, um, and this is one that that gets at my heartstrings a little bit, partly because I, I knew Jackie before I knew you. Right, right. And um, I remember the day she walked back when I was a school principal, and she walked into the office with maybe half of her kids. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Jackie's got six kids. Yep and um and you never had children right and so you have inherited um quite a family yep I have and what I love is hearing you think about the legacy piece that you want so can you just briefly
1: talk about kind of what your vision is yeah yeah um you know the the two oldest kids and their spouses uh and now each of them have a child uh they have purchased homes their first home um and, you know, they want to do things. I mean, they see this, some of the things that we're doing, and it's kind of motivating them to think about what they want to do. Um, and everybody else down the line to, to the youngest has accumulated some, to some degree, some school debt. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're all interested in, you know, kind of getting on into their lives. Um, but one of the things that Jackie and I have talked about uh, is looking at how we could... Um, give them uh, a financial foundation to work from. Not to do things for them, but to set some things up, set some things in motion now while they're... You know, the oldest is in her early 30s and the youngest is about to turn 21. And what my hope is, is that we can uh, begin to start a policy with the oldest two first and then using those policies be able to turn around and fund... Creating new policies for the younger ones. Mm-hmm. And initially, Jackie and I'll be the owners. Right. And we'll be able to control what's happening with the money. But the goal will be to uh, get to a point where we can hand it off to them, reassign ownership to them, so that they've got a place where they're starting, you know, a good almost almost 25 years before I started. Yeah. I mean, given given how I see how valuable this resource is. For Jackie and I, at my age, I'm not sure I can even imagine what that could look like for them if we can get them started. And then, because we've already got the two grandkids, you know, we want to start policies on them uh, so that by the time they're ready to start college, there's actually some resources right there ready to go. Yeah, um, but with all of this, and and I have to credit you with uh, tapping me into. Uh, What's the Rockefeller book? Oh, What Would the Rockefellers Do? What Would do? the Rockefellers yeah. Do? The the idea being that there is a system and a process so that money is not just handed to any of them. Mm-hmm. But there is a, a way for them to access money, uh, a system, sort of and with some guiding principles, so that they can have access to be able to use stuff, but they have to do it in a responsible fashion, and they have to be accountable for it. Yeah. You know, they're going to have to be able to learn how to manage their own own finances in a way that they can tap into it, but then that they replenish it. Mm -hmm. Because the idea is that then they'll be able to do the same thing for their kids. Right. And the education piece is critical. Yeah. From generation to generation to generation is critical. Now, here's the challenge. I think the most challenging thing about this part now is being able to get them to engage in conversation about this stuff. Mm-hmm. And I have managed to get the three oldest to come to boot camp one. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't got them to a boot camp two, but um, I'm hoping you guys will have some evening sessions so yeah. that I can get them to a boot yeah. camp two. Uh, but I want them to be able to see what other people are doing and hear what other people are doing. See, see the other experiences that mm-hmm. people are having. Um, and to keep them talking about it. Right. I want that, But they have got to have They've got to be able to uh, generate a little bit of their own self motivation to do this. Yeah. Because I it, I don't want it to be a gimme. I want it to be something that you know is part of what you know the overall family plan is, but that they can work towards it. Right. And they can build it. The
0: language Sean and I use, my wife Sean, that we use is we we don't want to give a handout, but we want to give a hand up. And we want to teach this concept uh, to our daughters. And one of my daughters, my oldest one, has been to a boot camp. Um, and uh, the, that passing on of that education so that they know how to utilize this money going forward, I think, is invaluable. Right.
1: Um, There's, can I add one more thing? Absolutely. Okay. The, the last piece in all of this is, um, you know, every year for my birthday or for Father's Day, you know, the kids ask their mom, you know, what should we get wrong? What does Ron want? <laughs> and it's, it's an interesting kind of struggle and challenge because my go-to response is, you know, I would really enjoy it if you would come up with a donation to Just Foods mm-hmm. or CASA mm-hmm. um, or some other social service agency here in town. And, and maybe just do it in my <laughs> folks' name. Yeah. Because they were so involved with things in town, so the other piece of this, in terms of developing or building a legacy, is getting them to buy into giving back to the community. Mm-hmm. You know, it, you know, there's always things out there, big time. But even if we're just doing something locally on a regular basis, yeah, um, you know, it's my fantasy. I'd love to be able to leave like a, a nest egg of a hundred thousand dollars for some, you know, for just foods. To me, that would be a really cool thing. So that is something that you and I need to talk a little bit more about. Um, But so for the kids to begin to develop a uh, financial foundation and then also to, by example, get them to be thinking about what they can be doing in the future, not just for themselves, but for larger community you just gave me an idea
0: for another podcast Um, we do work with some clients that use their ibc policies for contributions for example the churches or Mm not-for-profits and when you set that up you can actually increase your donation every single year uh, by using your policies that way Um, so that'd be cool ron swall um the time goes by very quickly when we get together and we get to chat. <laughs> it does, doesn't it? I always enjoy um, talking with you and learning from your life experience, and I really just appreciate you as a, as a human being, so thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Um, we'll have to do it again. Okay. Um, our, uh, we always encourage people to go to uh, our website, and if you have not read Nelson Nash's book, Becoming Your Own Banker, um, get yourself a copy of it and read it. Uh, read it open-minded, and uh, and we think that it can um, drastically change not only your life, but as Ron talked today about generationally, it can change lives. Thanks again for joining us, and uh, we look forward to uh, next podcast and uh, other clients of ours that get to tell their story of how IBC has impacted them. Thank you.